Welcome to the Gil and Brenda podcast as we share tips, tools, and tingles for your relationship. Listen for the action steps at the end, and now let's get to it. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're glad to have you here with uh, Gil and Brenda. We have some special guests with us today uh, that I will have Brenda actually read the bio. Yay! Yeah. This is an honor to be able to do this. So this is what we've got. Uh, Gabe and Stacy have been married for 17 years, 9 months, and 25 days. Wow. <laughs> How many hours and minutes? No, you can answer that. <laughs> can you tell they're excited about, they're ready to celebrate their 18th wedding anniversary? While they're, while they're doing well now, things got off to kind of a rocky start. And they'll be sharing some of the tools that help them to get through to where they are today. And I guess the main focus of this whole presentation, the podcast, is we're talking about how does being a first responder in law enforcement impact your marriage and family. But let me keep going here. They are proud parents to one of the most remarkable 13-year-old young ladies. Sounds like they're they're a little biased. I would agree with that. Yeah, she is kind of cute, too. But they have suffered the loss of two babies during pregnancy. They both would define themselves in terms of husband, wife, and proud parent before moving into careers. But they understand that careers do contribute to our reality. This is why they wanted to share. Um, Gabe has worked in the law enforcement for over 20 years and now serves in leadership as part of the command staff at a large agency. He's held various roles within his law enforcement back uh, career, and uh, that has afforded him many varied experiences, including spending over 10 years on the SWAT team. Stacy has a background in HR executive uh, duties, and now home educates their daughter along with running a small business. Uh, they said Jesus is the glue to their marriage and that treating one another with kindness, compassion, and understanding has made a huge impact into the quality of their marriage. That's fantastic. Yes. That is fantastic. Welcome. Welcome. Stacy. So my first question to Gabe is, how fast have you gone on Interstate 5? <laughs> fast enough to get where I needed to go. Oh, oh good gosh, answer. Gosh. Oh, man, I was expecting like 150 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you, you, were, uh, you were on the, 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 the motorcycle crew or something like that besides driving the four-wheel squad cars so i was i did that for just over seven years yes wow Wow. well we really want to thank you guys for being with us today and i guess our heart is to um be able to encourage uh those marriages and families that are um part of a law enforcement family and and as we ask you to speak from your experience but also those of us that are not in law enforcement, how can we support you guys? Because you guys are on the front lines, and it's not just Gabe on the front line, but it's Stacy is also there with him, even though she may not physically be there. Um, it's a group effort, right? Definitely. Well, I wanted to say thank you for having us here today. We are just honored to be with you guys and um, just want to say we are big Brenda and Gil fans. So (laughs) we're thrilled to be here and most importantly, just really honored to be a little voice amongst a community um, within law enforcement and the greater first responders um, and just being a champions for marriage and ultimately families. And so thank you for letting us be here today. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little of your story and how law enforcement and marriage came together. 
Well, I'll start. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So, uh, Stacy and I met after I was uh, already somewhat immersed into the profession, and um, and I. So she kind of uh, she might not have known fully what she was getting herself into, but she uh, she, she did have a, a little bit of an idea because uh, during our our courting, if you will, um, she learned a little bit more about me and the profession and uh, maybe the impact that it has on the individual. And shortly after we were, we were married and then she was fully immersed and committed into uh, how that affects the marriage and the family. So, um, yeah, and I think um, it, it might work if we, if, if I allow Stacy to kind of talk to how she started to navigate that um, because I knew a lot about the profession. I was already in it. And, uh, and while I didn't quite yet know how that was going to impact my marriage to, to my new wife, I, um, I knew a lot about the profession. So I kind of knew what to expect there where it was a little bit different for Stacy. We were, you know, young and, newly married and she didn't know anything about the profession that, uh, that her husband was in. So um, yeah. I think it would be good to hear what her perspective of uh, trying to get involved in that and also was. Well, you know, I think that um, the biggest thing as I look back over the years is just how much things have changed and evolved. And I, I would just encourage anyone listening that I think it takes hard work. I, I mean, I believe any marriage does, but when I look back at the first few years of our marriage, I would consider us very blessed and, and fortunate in the commitment level we both put to this marriage. But I look back and I remember many tears so over those, especially that first year of just, you know, not wanting him to see me cry and like go in the bathroom and cry just so he didn't know because, um, it was a whirlwind and in general, just to be married, but then with the dynamics of his work. And so, um, I think that the biggest takeaways that I have are, we really had to understand his, his career and, um, and it, I needed to understand it. And that meant actually going on right alongs to experience what he was doing in, and understanding the physical toll that it actually takes on their, their bodies when they're in a constant state of this hyperadrenaline, they're always having to, to multitask beyond what, what is normal for most people. Uh, you know, maybe driving hundred miles an hour, uh, listening to the radio, messing with their lights, aware of the traffic around them. Uh, I mean, and, and, other first responders too, dealing with emergency cases and, and sick people. I mean, they're just always in a state of hyper-awareness. So Gabriel and I both read books, attended seminars, really tried to educate ourselves because we came from marriages that were, or not marriages, but families rather that were pretty broken. And we were committed to not repeating that with our own lives. And so we kind of took some of the rocky roads at first and just pressed into it. And so I advise, you know, I think the biggest takeaway is just understand what he does and that the, there is a physical uh, burden on, on their systems. And so when they come home, they might have that adrenaline dump where they're tired or need to debrief. And so you have to find creative ways to get them to communicate and um, dealing with rotating schedules. So I, I think that is one of the things that I had to maybe educate uh, that, would be different than if he was just working in an office nine to five and be flexible. So it was, I'd say that we're still always learning. 
I think I think too, uh, Stacy. You'd mentioned before uh, that you would ask, you know, Gabe, how how how'd the day go? You know, and, and he go, oh, it it was just the same old day, and then a little later on, something would come out, and you're going, oh my word, that kind of, you know, because you had to persist a little bit to kind of give him the chance to come down and have, like you said, that adrenaline dump. Kind of talk about that again. I thought that was really loving and persistent at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's true. And I, I honestly am so thankful that someone really early on in our marriage did tell me that for their health, you have to make sure that they talk on their own time. And so I always kept to, to understanding that they need that debriefing and I'll call it like an onion and it is just layer after layer. And often he would walk in and say, Oh, yep. Normal day. Same old, same old, ask him an hour later, same old, same old. And maybe five or six hours later, he might get a call and reference. And it was quite a big day. It was quite a big deal or even yeah. maybe a day or two. And so I realized that I had to, be a master of adapting in order to meet those emotional needs and keep him healthy. Uh, and so it's just being very flexible and, and even teaching my, our, our child to be flexible with him as well in, and, um, and so knowing that he needs to talk on his own terms and, and being his champion in that, not letting him withdraw, but also doing it in his timing in a real tender way, which is maybe um, a little sacrificing because I may want to just talk all at once if I've been at home and he comes home and well, let's just get to it and talk. I, I want an adult to talk to. <laughs> so some of, I, I just know that's not prudent. Um, and so some of that is, is uh, maybe where I'm serving in that way of not meeting a need. I have a mo- immediately emotionally to have that back and forth. Um, but ultimately it served us well once I've learned, but it was a learning yeah. Mm-hmm. curve. Yeah. I did not learn that at all at first. It, it's taken me a long time to learn. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the profession is, is slowly evolving and changing. And I, I think when I, uh, when I first started, it was, I don't want to say taboo to talk about it, but most folks didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to bring it up. And that was essentially, um, their emotional health, if you will, their, their ability to get something off their chest. And I think that it, I don't recall the conversation specifically, but I think, uh, the foundation of what I was being told was, is don't bring this stuff home. Don't, uh, you, you know, this is uh, you need to get it off your chest You get it off with your chest, with your peers while you're at work and, uh, and don't dirty the home environment with what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you're smelling, tasting, touch and whatever. And so it was, uh, I think it was a balancing act for me also that, uh, that some of it, I didn't want her to know some of it. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't want to share it because one, I didn't want to scare her. I didn't, uh, I, I didn't, I was being told while I was at work that she wouldn't understand, um, that my family wouldn't understand if I told them, uh, what I saw or what I heard or what I did and how I reacted to that. Um, because you do build up a little bit of resiliency or callousness to some of the things that we do. Um, some of it is good for us. Some of it probably isn't all that good. And uh, when I first started talking about this with you, I told you that we have, uh, when I first was in the profession, it was a little different. And we have started to evolve. 
and the personal, professional, and maybe agency wellness uh, idea has started to come up quite a bit more. There's quite a bit more training. There's quite a bit more talking about it. And there's a whole lot less reluctancy to address it. So uh, those things are good. But I will say that in the beginning, when Stacy and I struggled through it a lot, it was because I probably didn't know how to balance it very well. I didn't know what I should and shouldn't share. And, um, and it was kind of a, it was a tug and pull because I was a little reluctant to begin with. Um, most of it is not my personality to talk about my job or what I do there. And, uh, um, and she wanted to hear it. She wanted to talk. She, you know, she, so, so yes, yeah. uh, it was a tug and pull in the beginning. I would think that it would depend on, cause each marriage has its own personality, right? So I guess, I don't know, unless you can't say, Gabe, like, this is what you should do, or does it just depend on, like, how much you talk, how much your spouse can handle the information, or, you know, how do you know? Is there, like, a blanket statement, like, would you hope that you had shared more earlier on? (laughs) You know, I'm not not sure that I... um, I regret enough of our our lack of seeing uh, or coming together in the way that we communicated about my job or or what I did. I'm not sure that I I regret that. We bounced along in between the guardrails for quite a few years, not knowing and her not knowing. Um, Some of it, like I said, was a reluctancy to share. Um, I don't know if I would change any of that. I think that we were pretty committed to communicating. We just weren't a hundred percent certain one on my, my side of the house and one on her side of the house on how to actually do it in a healthy way. Right. She, she talked about, I didn't know how many times I'd have to ask him to, to learn what his day was like. And then sometimes I didn't learn about it until he was talking to somebody on the phone. Um, and if I'm thinking through it on, on my side of the brain, I'm thinking, well, maybe I, I didn't want to share that. Maybe I, I didn't think that it was healthy for you to know that I do that uh, because I don't want you to be scared or I, I, um, I don't want you to know what I experienced because, um, you know, it might not be good for you. I, I, I'm not exactly sure if, if, uh, if I put a, as much thought to it back then as I should have. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's it's kind of the concept with with law enforcement, first responders, firefighters, EMT. You know, their families tend to pick up what's called vicarious trauma, and a lot of times people don't realize the trauma. You guys just take it in stride because it's like, hey, this is what we do. But the rest of the population and your families sometimes don't realize that. So I, I, I appreciate the uh, desire to protect your family. And I think maybe that's that's kind of what I'm hearing you say. Um, I want to I want to come to a question. Um, you know, law enforcement carries with it um, a badge, which which says, "Hey, I have a power. I have power. I have authority." And I'm curious how that impacts you as a person, but even more so, how that that power impacts your identity, and then how it impacts the marriage? That's a good question. And I think it's probably something that most of us in the profession 
at some degree struggle with. Uh, uh, I, I think that I was a little bit different where I didn't grow up wanting to go into this profession. It was kind of by happenstance. Uh, I would not equate myself to somebody as being a, a badge heavy person. I think that I have uh, maybe a little bit more um, empathy or compassion or s- some of those things that maybe some, some of my peers don't share, at least early on in their careers, they didn't share. Um, so I think, um, yeah, it's, uh, can I answer that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, just because I say, I would concur with Gabriel. I think Let's see, who, who's, who's wearing the badge right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Tough, well, I just, tougher for me to talk about. Yeah, I, mean, I would just say to um, when we had these conversations quite a bit, just as we walk beside his coworkers, and I would say Gabriel is very much um, more along the lines of empathetic and um, would not define himself by his occupation as much as some others might be proud to. And uh, and so I know his heart is in many other areas. And so I think for him, he's had a really unique view as to what can happen um, and has tried to, to prevent himself from going down that what we call badge heavy path, that power. And, and this defines me and I've got, you know, this is my identity. And so one of the things that are really two points that we agree on that are pretty key is not allowing your work to be your identity and that um, both individually and as a family, it's Gabe and I, as we were preparing today, talked about what what do we feel is important, and and we did it separately. And it was really interesting when we came together. We both had not allowing your identity to be defined by the work, um, and having friends and a support system, people that are pro marriage, pro family, that are outside of work, um, because the environment can be toxic at times. There are a lot of, I mean, they are we can be thankful that some of these people that are running into houses that are on fire, dealing with horrific, you know, accident victims, um, dealing with very traumatic events, uh, that they have adrenaline and this drive to run when other people are running away. So I can't say that it's, it's a fault. I mean, we're very thankful for that aspect, but the other side of that is that is the environment and that can be, you know, that, um, can become toxic. So you really need to, when all that ego and uh, power can is centralized where the hearts really may be good. There, there may be this environment that doesn't say, yes, how are you doing with your wife and your kids today? Um, you know, how, you know, how, uh, how did you honor your, your spouse and what are you doing to work on it? And let's celebrate this. So you need to develop those outside of the workforce. And Gabe and I, I think those are some of our biggest points that we agree together and that your friends early on in your career, often your friends are those coworkers and the young spouses and you'll go to dinners with them and see them and hang out and you can, you should have friends, but you really need to build that majority outside of work um, and not have your identity identity be holy in that because it can be gone an instant. And so we, we really just, as we talk to others, we tell them that quite liberally, that that is a huge key to being successful. I don't know, would you agree? Yeah, I would. And I think that, uh, Gil, you had mentioned the word authority in the beginning of your question there. And I think that it's, um, there, there's two kind of, uh, diverging thoughts in my mind with that 
that authority and bringing that home, right? So we spend the majority of our day uh, telling people what to do. Um, this is what I need from you. This is this is what's going to happen if you don't do what I say or um, whatever it is, right? And then when you come home, you have to have uh, a pretty quick sense of turning that off or you, yeah, you're, you're told to wash the dishes and vacuum the floor. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> you no longer get to tell somebody what to do. And, and then, you know, with that immediate expectation that it's going to be done or there's going to be some, some quick and quite costly ramifications for not doing it. Right. So you have to be able to turn that off. Yeah. And then also the, the other part of that is, um, I know that I've struggled with it quite a bit. When I got home, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't want to tell somebody what to do. I don't want to make the decision on what we have for dinner or where we go to the movie or who we go visit or, um, or timelines because you spend all day doing that. So you want to disconnect from making those decisions. And, uh, but my wife counts on me for that. My daughter counts on me for that. Our family counts on me for that. So you can't just turn that off. But the other side of it is, is you have to turn off the authority. You, I'm, I'm not going to tell Stacy what to do and how to do it <laughs> because uh, she's quite confident with, you know, in the things she does. So she's not looking for me to tell her what to do. So, yes. So, yes. <laughs> and did that come easily or did you kind of trip over each other with that, learning that dance? Um, so the, I've, I've had, you use the word trip over. I I've had to trip over myself quite a bit on, uh, wanting or desiring her to tell me essentially what to do time-wise. All right, we're going to leave in two hours or we need this for dinner, or you need to take our daughter here for this. Um, I, I need that and want that. Um, but the turning the authority thing off at home that wasn't a struggle for me. Uh, I, uh, um, I believe that I cherish my wife way too much for me to struggle with that. Yeah. I think April has been very intentional. You know, we mentioned with the opening, I think our keys are being kind, um, to one another. And I think one of the things that we, we, t- I, I know personally, I think if I'm being nicer to strangers and I'm treating other people better than my spouse, think I've got a problem. And I, I think Gabriel operates the same way as well. And, uh, it doesn't mean every interaction and every day, we certainly both have our moments. So I would be lying to you if that's the case, but in general, when we look back at things, if I'm not being as kind and polite to him in general, as I would be to a stranger, then I try to reassess that. But where I think the authority thing might be a struggle is not necessarily between the two of us, but more so in a parenting aspect, because, um, in that world where they're at, they're used to, this is X, Y, Z, and, and, and this is an outcome, do this step and do it now. Whereas in parenting, it's a lot of coaching and teaching and guiding and patience. And so that's, I think where I see the biggest shift and where I also, as a mom have to have patience with him when I might, um, need to coach him through turning that off and transitioning into a coaching parenting role of our, our daughter. Uh, because I feel like that that's the dynamic that is, they're not used to dealing with someone that, you know, is maybe constantly not compliant just by nature of not, you know, growth it would be normal for kids even. In, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I suppose parenting skills aren't really well 
received by kids if it's frisking them or reading their Miranda rights, right? <laughs> right. doesn't happen real well. So um, no. <laughs> I, I, I am kind of wondering here, though, uh, one thought is in, in staying engaged emotionally. Uh, Gabe, I so appreciated there was a particular book that you had recommended, and I, want, I really want to have you make a couple comments on that. Uh, as I do work with first responders and law enforcement people, but uh, I was so appreciative of, of this book. So if you could just make a couple of comments about that emotionally intelligent law enforcement book uh, and, and just take a second to, to say a word or two about it. Yeah. So I actually, uh, for this, I, I wrote down what I would consider my favorite reads for me throughout my profession. And, uh, and that is, that is one of them. Um, so first and foremost, I would encourage everybody to just keep your eyes focused on your Bible first. Yeah. But if, I, if there were two reads outside of that, it would be the emotional survival for law enforcement. It's written by, a, a Dr. Kevin Gilmartin, um, who spent some time in the profession before he wrote the book. And it is, um, I would say about as close to spot on as you could get in understanding the um, maybe the emotions that that coppers will go through and and then uh, some some good real life solutions to uh to how to deal with all of those things so you yeah. actually you actually said coppers yeah you know i mean <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't gonna say that. Than some words <laughs> say, the, say the title of the book one more time just so that oh. listeners get it it's called Emotional Survival for Law Enforcement, A Guide for Officers and Their Families by Dr. Kevin Gilmartin. Okay, well, we'll and I'll have that information in our show notes, show too. Notes. So yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then, uh, and, and then my, my second favorite, it's maybe more so my first favorite read is uh, the, the Five Love Languages, because if I don't understand um, how to connect with my wife outside of my profession, then I'm going to. Um, I'm going to struggle when I get home. So I first have to know that, but then understanding myself and how the profession will impact my mind. Uh, that's also important. So yes, yeah. those would be the three reads that I would recommend to everybody. Bible first, the five love languages second, and then uh, this book on emotional survival for law enforcement. And I will say that uh, this book, while it says emotional survival for law enforcement would be good for just about everybody within the first responder, I think, yeah. whether fire, EMS, or law enforcement, I think it's a good read for all of us. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's a really, really good segue, because uh, I read the book, too, and I learned so much. So um, I think part of our time together, um, could you just share, those of us that are not in law enforcement, how can we come alongside couples and marriages to help support you guys? Well, I think Stacy alluded to it earlier that um, while it has been important for us throughout our marriage, I'm not sure that it has been. It, it is certainly not for most of my peer group, and that is developing strong wise counseled relationships outside of the profession. So how do we figure out how to connect with maybe first responder families that we aren't already connected through, through church or family? How do we then connect with them 
to encourage them to develop those relationships outside of the profession. Cause not everybody has a church family. Not everybody has, um, a, a, a family that they, or, or wise counsel from a, a friend outside of the profession. So I don't know, that would be uh, maybe a question for you guys. You guys have the expertise in that. How do we connect with them? Um, I don't know. I think it's super important. I, I think it's, yeah. uh, it's tough if they don't already have a, like a church family outside of the profession to connect with. Yeah. I just think that it's so important that families have pro-marriage and pro-family champions, good, healthy people around them. And so continue to build those friendships, those relationships, those mentorships that are needed um, and to grow their identities outside of work. Uh, now, how can people who are coming alongside of um, mentoring, befriending, um, and walking with those families, how can they be successful in a relationship that might be unique to a first responder family? And I think that is um, just a lot of flexibility and grace. Uh, you know, we've been, oh, we're coming up on 18 years of marriage and been in data beyond that. And so for so many of those years, uh, schedules were never as planned, uh, rarely is, you know, he on time for a dinner, um, phone calls in the middle of the night. Those are very, very normal, uh, rotating schedules. So, um, I'm just so appreciative. People have been so graceful to us when we've had to change plans or, um, had to back out of something or, um, just our weird schedule because it, it isn't who neither Gabe or I are individually. We would want to be commitment and, um, and, and show that, but dynamics change, you know? And so I think just understanding that it may not be within their control and that, um, you know, a lot of the shift work too, which so many do between doctors and EMT workers, there is, um, it's, it can be hard on their bodies. And so they're it, just understanding that um, it's almost, I feel like a perpetual almost like newborn baby stage where you're waking up to the middle of the night and you never quite fully there. Um, in some seasons, I feel like it can be that way for him. And so, and, and then we adjust here at home, maybe being quiet during the day when he's sleeping. So I'd say that's key. So my last question, as we begin to land the plane, as I say, um, if, if you uh, knew that first responders from around the country were listening what would be one really pithy word of wisdom that you would give them from, from each of your perspectives? What one word would you give them to protect and enhance their marriage? No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I would say from my perspective, just thank you for what you do. As a, a spouse, I see what you go through and thank you to the families because I know um, that you you are on the front lines and I would just encourage you to um, continue to work hard towards one another. You put so much effort and energy into your work and growing and promoting, uh, put that much energy into your marriage and your families and you'll flourish. And I just would encourage them to do that. That's good. I don't have one word, but I can give you a couple points of advice and I can wrap it up pretty quick. Go so for the, it. Fir the first would be just what Stacy said. 
you have to constantly ask yourself if you're putting as much or more into your the success of your marriage or your family as you are your job because the jobs tends to 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 drive that. Um, and are you constantly evaluating whether or not you truly are putting your family first? The third thing would be, uh, you need to consistently ask yourself, is your family getting the best of you? Whether it's at the end of your shift, when you get home or on the weekends, when you're trying to figure out what you're going to do or during your vacation, are they getting the best of you or is your job getting the best of you? The fourth thing would be is, uh, you need to, like we said before, develop your strongest friendships and relationships outside of work. And then the last thing would be is just make sure that you have a healthy habit with your wife and your family. Um, because if you don't have a healthy habit with them that you're constantly doing on your time off, uh, I think that you uh, have a propensity to develop a toxic side of you at home. So that would be my five points of advice for anybody that's listening. Say that last point again about how to avoid toxicity. I believe that if you have a healthy habit with your wife and your family, not necessarily your friends or extended family or anybody else, but if you have a healthy habit with your wife, um, then it avoids the chance to develop the toxicity that oftentimes the profession can perpetuate in the home. It can erode, it can erode the marriage. Definitely. Well, we, we are so thankful uh, to both of you. I, I know, Stacy that you don't pack a gun, uh, but <laughs> I'm sure if you did, you'd be a good shot. <laughs> uh, so uh, we, we just are so thankful for your friendship and uh, for loving well and serving our community well for so many years. Uh, anything, Thank you. Anything more you want to say, Brenda? No, I just admire and respect you guys so much. And um, yeah. I'm just so... I'm so glad we're able to share this time together to hopefully encourage uh, even one marriage out there to just say, it's yes, this is hard, but it's worth the fight for each other. Because as we say, if you ain't got the marriage, you ain't got nothing. Hey, glad you joined us today. Want to connect with us? Find us at gillandbrenda.com and the usual social media outlets. We are available for coaching, counseling, marriage intensives, seminars, workshops, retreats, and so much more. We'd love to encourage you in your relationship. Give us a call today. And thank you to our producer and engineer, Corby Stevens.